Hi everyone, my name is Wayne Heath and welcome to Conversations with Clubright, a podcast about sharing my experiences as an ex-gym owner and current business owner. We're at a really exciting time where the UK fitness and wellness market is worth over £20 million. So now really is a great time to start thinking about what you can do to make things better, or even starting your own fitness business if you don't already have one. We talk about topics from retention and driving membership sales all the way through to improving processes in your club and even interviewing the occasional guests. So get yourself comfortable and let's get on with the podcast. Hi guys, welcome back to Conversations with Club Right. Um, Happy New Year to you all. So we'd like to say that to we first off, and we say Hello. Happy New Year. First off, just a quickie, make sure you are subscribed with all the platforms to regularly get our podcast. Now we're back in 2020, we're really here to start creating some interesting subject matter for us all to engage with. And uh, I think we can kick off with something that's uh, really close to all our hearts, Neil. Um, why the hell overcomplicate things? So there we are. Why the hell do people complicate things or make it overcomplicated? It's a good point. Where do you start there? Well, exactly. <laughs> so from a point of view of a, a gym opening and all the things you've got to do, there's so many things I think that a club can put together and yeah. there's so many things that software can do now yeah. and so many things that websites can do. Yet, I think sometimes clubs go OTT and try and do all of it, rather than just concentrate on what the niche of their business is. Of course. Um, What do you think to peak and off-peak prices or memberships? Because that's something... Although, obviously, we are on Club Right, we do that and many customers do want to do that. Is it something that I've always done? I've kind of always personally looked at it that if the doors are open, you can come in. If the doors are closed, you can't. Um, it's always been my approach, but it doesn't mean to say that that approach is always the right approach because people are quite conditioned to the idea of peaking off peak. Um, personally, I most probably wouldn't go down that peaking off peak route because I think it becomes restrictive. I'd most probably, far sooner, everyone made great use of the gym when the doors were open, which means they're retained for longer because they enjoy coming along and they're getting results. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I see the benefit of doing an off-peak membership where yeah. you can charge less for it because really the gym's a lot quieter. And you attract maybe the, the students or people that um, are not working or perhaps the older generation. Yeah. Um, because then at least if you're open, like you say, you may as well be getting people in there. Well, I think so. And I think, you know, the, the business is... The costs of running that business are there the minute it opens. Yeah. So electricity bill the gas bill everything else is there to use so whether it's peak or off peak the costs are still part of the business it is can't avoid that it just i suppose from the point of view of a customer joining it's what however many membership plans you have you've got to double them again to almost accommodate yeah. the off-peak members so again is that more of a complicating thing or is it a i think a i think it's complicating because then you're going to go well when at what time is it right to be peak or off-peak? Yeah. That then becomes the next discussion point. Um, some customers may well feel that peak is a certain set of hours, but actually they don't want to be paying for that. They want to go to off-peak so they can come at a different time. 
So I think whichever way you look at it, and you quite rightly say, you'll end up having numerous peak and off-peak options. Mm. So it just, it does kind of complicate things, and I'm a little bit more down the idea of like, make it simple, stupid, yeah. if that makes sense. Because from a business point of view, if you know how many direct debits you need as a business, how many cash customers you might want on top, which would be the icing on the cake, you don't really need to worry about it. You can kind of pitch that position. I think we're probably going to talk a bit more about that as we go through it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like with the, the website, I suppose, talking about this particular, of, you know, why the hell make things complicated. Yeah, exactly. is Websites sometimes try to go into far too much detail yeah. about what they can do, what they can't do. Exactly. Um, the, you know, the, the fact of trying to join on a website it's so difficult sometimes to find mm -hmm. how to join. You've got to click. <laughs> the, the best one I ever saw was seven clicks, I think it took really? me, to just go to the actual page to join. No. It's almost like, are you sure? No, are you really sure? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to verify who I am? That's it. No, I've got how many pictures have got this one with a car in it or something like that. Yeah. drives people nuts. But from a point of view of like the website, and I've, I've done a blog on this in the past, but oh. it's something along the lines of having something... I could join now button on every single page of your website. So yeah. wherever the customer is, they might decide to join at any particular time and not having to search then for that joining yes. portal. They can just click straight away. Yeah. This makes it a bit easier. So. I think if you like you said back you said before, you know, if you've got too many options, I don't think the customer at the point of finding the club's website buying online because ultimately this is what we're trying to push mm -hmm. making sure that people can buy online make it easy simple so they can literally rock up 10 minutes later and start using the facility um, I do think that if you've got too many choices people don't know which choice they fulfill or which one they should be sitting in yes and then they become fearful of two things well yeah two things I suppose is that Am I going to be paying too much money for my membership if I make the wrong choice without speaking yeah, to someone in the course. club? Or have I not paid enough to get the services I do want to do? So it's almost much more simple to kind of break down the services you provide as a business, mm -hmm. decide how you want to go to market to sell them. So is it a clear proposition that... If you're a busy club with classes and a busy set of classes, do your memberships um, include classes? Well, if they do, that's fine. They all include it. Mm -hmm. But you might choose certain classes that within that, say, paid monthly and within uh, a paid upfront for the year options. They're the two membership options. Mm -hmm. You could still have some add-ons that allow you to upgrade and sell some VIP classes, for example, yeah, and so actually make more money. They're not included in the membership. Yeah, the people then will pay more for a bit more exclusive. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's quite. A, you can then literally take someone from paying, I don't know, twenty-five pound a month. So you look a good set of value. Maybe that's based on your budgets and everything else, of course. But you've got a good monthly entry number. But then, if you've got some certain classes that allow you to make a lot more money that you could sell, yeah. that on top could make you way more than that 25 quid per month, purely and simply because Fight Club or Zumba or Hit could be £7 a pop, and someone does that four times a month. That's the thing, isn't it? What's the point of trying to get, get an extra member when you can just get the existing member to spend more? Absolutely. I mean, I, I sat on a plane 
boring story in the old book, you know, literally was the thing that really brought it home to me, is that I sat on a plane many years ago, and there was a guy, as you do, I was on my own, he was on a business trip, and I was on a business trip, he was chatting, what do you guys do for a living, and he just mentioned something, that he worked for G Capital, so that's interesting, and our conversation went on a bit more, and I said, so what is, what do you, is your purpose, your job, what do you actually do? And he said, well, my job is simply to help people spend more money. So I thought, okay, my ears kind of pricked up at that point because we hadn't actually long since opened our gym. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe I can apply some GE Capitals who have multinational ideas to my business. And he said, well, my job is literally to get everyone to spend a pound more with me. So I thought, well, that's interesting. He said, well, if you're based on the millions of customers we got, a quid really bounce up. Yeah, of course it does. And I've not forgotten that. That's the same as you just said now, is that... If we can get people to spend more money that makes it easy, that's our job. Yeah, cool. It's like with the, the online joining side of things. When it comes to joining and you've got multiple memberships, the type of person who joins online with no help, no assistance, no yeah. questions, why have more than three plans? Exactly? Maybe five, maybe, but why have more than that? Yeah. They don't need the choice, do they? No. And, I mean, you, you set up how many other customers you've set up and we're always sitting there with this long, long list of membership options <laughs> Yes. and you're, you're struggling with trying to work out how, and I mean, I can remember an absolute classic years ago where a customer couldn't actually get past membership number seven because he couldn't remember the list, Yeah. but he had 52. Yeah. Well, I say, the point is, isn't it, you've got this is just an example, but adult single, yep. peak, <laughs> yep. adult single peak gym only, yep. adult single off peak gym only, yep. adult single gym and classes yep. peak. Yep. <laughs> Do you know what I'm going there? So the list goes on. And then you've got joint memberships, family memberships. Yeah. And it's like, is that complicating it? Well, it is. In a, in a big, I mean, and the thing is, no, we are. You know, independent uh, gym owners are constantly thinking about how people like Pure Gym and the 24-hour budget style approach has is having an impact on the business. And mm. to a small or larger extent, it does. But if we're being honest with each other, what have they actually done? What they've done is simplified mm -hmm. it. They've most probably done the things that we should be looking at all the time. And actually what they've done is said, okay, well, we want this many people paying us £20 a month or whatever, and we want this many people paying us up front. That was their decision, that was their budget, and that's how they've worked it. And I think, you know, the less is more does have an overall much, much bigger, wider approach to how much money the business makes. Yeah, makes complete sense. Yeah. yeah. So I think really it's interesting from our point of view, looking at it, what we're kind of saying here is what? Just to simplify the whole process, you know, put yourself in the customer's shoes. 100%. That's look most, on, probably the most important thing. Yeah, look on your website or your Facebook page and see how easy is it for me to join. Yeah. Then when I look to obviously join on a membership plan, are they clearly labelled? Do they explain the price? Do they show exactly what they are? Do they look attractive to buy? Yeah. Are they, yeah. Are they a couple of choices? Is it 10 choices? Yeah. You know, is it just simple for me to make a choice and get on and, yeah. and, and join the gym? And ultimately... If it's simple and easy, guess what? A lot more members will actually be joining mm -hmm. because they understand it from the get-go 
there's no questions, they don't feel like they've got to pick up the phone and speak to someone and come in and see someone, they can join with confidence with all the information they need True. to join. I do think though, I mean, I, I'm also a firm believer of giving choice. Yeah, and I I don't I don't think it's a bad idea to have more membership choices, but almost keep them off sale online for sure. One hundred percent, keep all the point. choices offline. Almost have a disclaimer on your website saying, if you can't find the membership plan you're looking for, ask us. Yeah, you know, and and then be able to be a little bit more flexible for them because no one wants to lose a sale. No, no. You know, these independent gyms need to be different to these budget clubs. Yeah. So they have to be different. So maybe by being too simple, that's not their bag. Right. But still keeping it simple from the joining online purpose. Yeah, definitely. But then face-to-face -face where yeah. you could actually find out what they need and then sell them the It's right almost package. like on the website, not found what you're looking for, yeah. give us a call so yeah. we, can, we can help you take you around. Yeah, and it sort of helps in both angles, doesn't it really? Because I think it's still important to be unique and different. 100%, and I think, you know, the approach will always be unique if um, it's kind of combined with some good sense and good value, especially compared to your competitors yep. close by. Cool. Thinking about simplifying stuff, Neil, I mean, it's kind of interesting to see that does a business necessarily need a website now? It's a great content to have. At the end of the day, it's really useful for SEO and, and people searching. Um, but a lot of people tend to look on Facebook, I think. Yeah. You know, and I see this from the, the new startups. From, yeah. from the point of view of Club Rock, we have done a lot of new startup businesses and helped them out. So I've noticed they've not had a website. They've not suffered from that because no. what they've done is just shared the online joining link on the likes of social media, asked people to like and share it. And it's been really quite useful because there's no messing around with... Um, setting stuff up and, and changing things and, and taking that all into extra work yeah. for them. It's, it's a very easy to manage system. And looking at that from a, maybe a social media point of view, you kind of, especially when you mentioned startups as well, I think gyms, clubs, whichever, we, whichever name you want to give them, is there a big sense of community going on? Mm -hmm. And if people start to see their friends joining, engaging, doing a class, sharing with their friends, they've just done a class. There's a whole load of things that can really start to come together quite nicely. And that is not necessarily always successfully delivered by the website. No, of course. I think the social media, like you just mentioned, Facebook, for example, is a great way. I've seen numerous clubs making good use of the tools that can be digitally provided for them, but not necessarily investing in the cost of the website. And it, the nice thing about that as well is it actually, like you're saying with the community, is they can engage with their customers a lot easier. Mm. So people can like their posts, they can like their customers' posts. And that's generally what makes yeah. people like each other, is exactly. the fact that there's that interaction. Um, so I think that's really quite useful. Where on a website, you don't get that. No, course. and you can instantly push out. I mean, if I look at even just local... Facebook groups that exist, say, in my town. Yeah. Instantly, so many towns across the whole of the country have all got these local Facebook pages where instantly a new restaurant opens, a new gym opens, a new solicitor's opens, whatever it might be. Everyone's out talking about it. Yeah, of course. And, um, the, and the admins of those groups want to help and yeah. share that because it's a local business. It's good for everyone. It works well. And of course. 
it's like the adverts they do on it as well. I've noticed some people do adverts on social media and things, or even adverts to the paper, or even their leaflets. They want to try and put so much content in it. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, a piece of writing. Just overkill. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's all about that image, that image first that grabs their attention with a, you know, a, a simple call to action. Yeah. And keeping that simple as well. Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, it's overcomplicating it. Yeah, again, it's like we're trying to put every goddamn word into this advert. Yeah. And actually, people don't read the majority of their content. If they've actually read the first three or four lines, it's an achievement. Yeah. Um, it's, like you say, something that grabs their attention. And that could be the written words in a newspaper ad, or it could be an advert that you decide to pay extra for on Facebook to promote. Or, you know, or even just the imagery that you use on Facebook. And obviously some of them adverts cost money, don't they? Yeah. You know, so what a lot of people want to do is kind of measure that to see, you know, just what was the return on the investment of doing that marketing, that advert, and what did we get back? But I think, do you think people go into too much detail on the reports, would you I say? Think, I think sometimes they can. I think it's um, very easy to try and measure everything. Mm -hmm. And actually, you most probably don't need to measure everything. You might need to find... I tend to look at, say, five clear KPIs that are going to drive the business. And if you're measuring those five KPIs, whatever they might be for your particular business, you know, one could be sales, another could be attendance, another could be whether it's cash or direct debits, you can think of whatever your KPIs might well be. But if you're measuring those but are comfortable that they're the drivers of the business, mm -hmm. then when you start to measure them and see fluctuations up and down, Starts to be meaningful. Um, it's very easy to start looking at so you know by paralysis of data, yeah. for want of a better word. When I've seen companies having massive reports, a report for a report, exactly, and then you create <laughs> another report for that report. Yeah. And they're thinking, yeah. what the place is this going on here? Actually, no one has even read or even understands the report, mm -hmm. or even reviews it for some poor person collates that once a month and no one even looks at it yeah. which is a real shame <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's true well it is isn't it say that time that's spent doing that could be spent doing something else that's actually a money driver indeed but you might not necessarily find out what those KPIs are straight away it will, could well be a process of elimination mm -hmm. a process of measuring to see the impact those have but you know, the purpose of what we're talking about is not to overcomplicate over things. You know, don't overcomplicate it. If there's five KPIs, stick with them. Mm -hmm. It'd be my recommendation. So with the equipment for the gym, um, so many different types of equipment out there. Yeah. So much choice. Yeah. Do you overcomplicate it, or do you, have you ever seen gyms overcomplicated by putting so much in there of just? A bit of equipment for every single muscle group, everything you can think of. Yeah. Cram it all in. Probably doesn't look as nice aesthetically. Yeah. I think there's that one of the things with um, the gym is it's always we're always driven to want the latest thing, which is there's nothing wrong in that because they could well be the most fantastic piece of equipment that's going to solve your customers' needs. Yeah. But I think first and foremost, back to the customer. Now, what are the customers looking to do? Mm -hmm. Because basing your equipment on what the customer's needs are is a pretty sound way of doing it. 
You know, if you know that fundamentally you're looking for a free weight section, and free weight section is going to be readily used in a big way, and that's what your customers want, <laughs> great. And we've seen copious amounts of uh, gyms benefit by having some fantastic free weight sections, whereas the gym down the road actually doesn't, so they're attracting a different type of customer. Yeah, yeah, of course. So it's, I think it's really quite important to ask the customer or understand why your customer enjoys coming to your gym. Good point. And so coming into the gym, that's a good leading point to the next, next question, I suppose, or yeah, access yeah. control. Right. So access control, do you think sometimes people can overcomplicate that? I've certainly had people ask me, <laughs> what about facial recognition? <laughs> what <Yeah>. about, <laughs> just like, what? Yeah. You know, at what point do you think that overcomplicates it from the fact of it used to be walking up to a, a gym reception, writing your name, your name on a paper, book. they didn't even know who you were. Exactly. Um, you, might, you might even have to put down how much you paid, perhaps. But um, that was all you did. Now people are asking for facial recognition, fingerprint readers, all these different things. Do you yeah. think that's overcomplicating stuff as well? To a smaller or larger extent, yes I do. And I think that's a very valid point. And think with access control in particular, if you know who's paid and who's not, and you're monitoring that anyway, stopping people coming in and spending a fortune trying to do that is most probably a bit working in reverse in a way. Yeah. I feel that we seem to be almost too concerned about the one person that came in that week that didn't pay. Yeah. As opposed to all the wonderful members that came in, loved the place to death, continue coming in two or three times a week and enjoying the services that that club provides. You know, and let's be fair, access control can be very big expense. Yeah, it can. And you are spending potentially sometimes tens of thousands of pounds, but let's be fair, it's certainly well into four figures, you know. Um, could that four figures be better spent, dare I say it, on a piece of equipment that your existing members are really going to want to use, get great results, and therefore you're going to work on getting more recommendations. Mm -hmm. And let's be fair, recommendations for all of us is still one of the best routes to getting more customers on board with your business. You say, with that scenario of people wanting to spend a load of money on access control and gates and things like that there's been some examples where I remember where new clients of ours was quite shocked that you weren't trying to sort of push them to buy a load of equipment yeah. from a you know from a company to, to then in theory make a load of money from that but it's they had something as simple as a scanner for people to come and scan their phone to yeah. You would then see if they've paid or not. Absolutely. And, and because they were doing that and members were all keeping an eye on it at the reception desk, yeah. when they saw someone walking past not scanning in, they'd, they'd excuse them, but grass them up. Yeah, exactly. You know, they'd dub them in to say, really like, that point, person that's hasn't that's paid. Exactly right. Why should I pay and they haven't? I was about to say exactly the same thing, so I'm glad you So in that. theory, what, is that not a more effective way than... Yeah, it's pretty much self-policing. Yeah. Obviously, it's needed in a 24-hour gym. Yeah, I mean, you need you need the locks and gates. Yeah, and you must, that's because a that's the security of the building, yeah. security of others that are there have gone midnight or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And you most probably will have floor to ceiling rotundas that you can just walk in and only one person get in at a time. Totally get that. Yeah. But I would say that's the minority rather than the majority. Mm -hmm. um, and as I say, access control can often be often be seen by a lot of customers or a lot of gym owners as a barrier. Mm -hmm. You know, someone's walked into the club, we've got a door, 
that you can't be let let in unless you paid. There are paid for salespeople as well, you know, yeah. when you're trying to get to the gym, you just can't get in the gym. Exactly. But that's the thing. Maybe that's why they did it. Yeah, well, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> and if you think about it, you know, you've got a customer who wants to try and find out more about joining the gym. They're not going to join online. Yeah. They're pretty damn nervous. They want to have some reassurance. They want to feel the, what the vibe of that place is, and if they feel comfortable. And the first thing they come to is a closed door. Mm-hmm. Personally, I don't know how I feel, I wouldn't want to go in. So I think access control has to be something as a um, overcomplication. Kind of really think about, is it something you need to do? What's the real reason for doing it? If you're looking to catch out what is a small number of people each month mm-hmm. coming through to your club without paying, maybe think twice. Um, because if you've got your KPIs that we've already mentioned earlier, and you can see how many people have paid. Now, systems, you know, sort of software systems will tell you who's paid and who's not. Well, you know Wayne's not paid before he even gets there and tries to come in. Yeah. So, you know, you know that information. And most probably, if you're proactive, you've already spoken to Wayne to try and find out when he is going to pay. Mm-hmm. So actually, to stop Wayne even coming in, it's kind of almost pointless, in a way. Yeah. What about staffing? Um, I mean, too yeah. many staff? Well, I think staffing is an interesting point. And I, if I look at when we had our clubs and we were busy doing that, we did spend an awful lot of time making sure that we were staffed with the right number of people at the busiest times mm-hmm. and the right number of people when we were quieter. And that is pretty much good common sense. I mean, there's nothing worse than three of you on a shift when actually could have just done with two. Yeah. And you've got you know, people just twiddling their thumbs because there's not enough work. No one, in truth, I don't believe, goes to work to do nothing. They don't go to work to do a bad job even. But they want to be busy, so that time flies. You know, their shift started at six in the morning, mm-hmm. finishes at three. They want to know that that shift's going to go fairly quickly. And if you're busy, that shift flies by. It does do. But if you're quiet, and there's too many of you, it's time to do nothing. So I think, from my point of view, staffing, apart from anything else, I suppose, having the right number of people there, it could be a cost saving, but equally, it could be an investment in the retention of your customers by making sure you've got more staff yeah. at a time when customers, more customers are going to be there to be looked after. Yeah, makes total sense. Cool. Cool. So in terms of, we covered a lot of stuff there, haven't we? We've looked at staffing, whether a website is entirely a great idea or a necessity even. Um, and even if you do, don't go too mad about creating something that's going to do everything it says it's going to do, because mm-hmm. you can easily get pulled away with that. Yeah, get lost in it. Yeah, and you know, making sure that things like the KPIs of the business are, are relevant to the growth of the business, or as you as an owner of the business see the growth. Now, is it all about sales? May not be. It may be an established club and you're actually more concerned about retention. Yep. So are the old KPIs geared towards keeping customers as opposed to gaining customers? It could be different types of KPIs for different businesses. Equipment-wise, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good point. Equipment can be really expensive. Um, and you want to make sure that, you know, we've all had the bit of equipment that sits in the corner and never gets used. Not my laptop. <laughs> but if you look at it like that, you know, it's the logic of whether that piece of equipment was actually thought about before someone spent many thousands of pounds buying it. Totally right. Totally. So uh, 
I think from that point of view, we cover some good things about how to not overcomplicate things and just take time out to think about the business and how you can simplify it. Yeah, absolutely. So Cheers. I think it's a great way to start 2020. So uh, thanks so much, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We want to help as many business owners as we can in this podcast. So remember to share it with your friends and let us know what topics you would like us to talk about next. See you next time. Thank you.